Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome to Mick Clifford Podcast with the Irish Examiner. Now we're all gearing up for Christmas again, even if we're all still living in the shadow of the pandemic. Notwithstanding that, this time of year is a boon for all retailers, including those in the garment and fashion industry. But what are you buying? Is that Christmas jumper actually responsible for contributing to the ravages of climate change, believe it or not? What is the cost to the environment in particular in order for us to get our clothes as cheap as possible? Joining me to discuss the phenomenon of fast fashion and what damage it may be doing to the planet is journalist Jennifer Stevens, who has done some sterling research in this area. Jennifer, you're very welcome. Thanks, Nick. Jennifer, I suppose we'll start at the start, as they say, and tell me what exactly is fast fashion? Fast fashion essentially is fashion that is made fast, delivered fast, bought fast and discarded fast. Um, so you might see something on a celebrity, you might think it's nice. Ten days later, you might see it on a fashion website. Two days later, it might be in your hand. You might wear it two or three times and then you might be sick of it and have already bought the next thing. That's essentially fast fashion. I suppose to put it simply, how fast from when you first become aware of it until you actually put it on over your head or whatever? It's how quickly a fashion company can spot a trend, manufacture that trend, get it into a consumer's hand and then it's binned. Yeah. It's kind of, it's mad. <laughs> By its nature, does that mean it's made very cheaply? It is. Yeah, the fabrics are cheap. The cost of production is cheap. Um, everything is cheap except the end result, which is obviously very expensive to the planet. Right. And, you know, we've heard in particularly in recent decades that there have been some shocking scandals in terms of working conditions in the developing world, particularly in the garment industry. Mm-hmm. That type of stuff that's done in, whether or not they're sweatshops, that's what they're called, is a lot of fast fashion come out of there? Uh, yes, the stories that you would have heard from Bangladesh, from um, India, from Pakistan, from China. Yeah, that would all be manufacturers of fast fashion. Yeah. OK, no, tell me about me poor old Christmas jumper. <laughs> so the conversation this year around Christmas jumpers really started when you may have seen the pictures that came out of the Atacama Desert in Chile of piles and piles of discarded clothes. 59,000 tonnes of discarded clothes make their way to the AKK port in Chile every year. And most of those, almost 40,000 tonnes of those, end up then in the Atacama Desert. They're supposed to be, when they arrive in Chile, they're supposed to be sold on in Latin America, in different shops over there and in marketplaces. But, you know, it's a very small percentage that that actually happens to and the rest ends up in landfill. So in these shocking photographs that people probably saw for the very first time, among them was Christmas jumpers that you might recognise from high street stores here. Um, And it was very shocking to people. It wasn't something they've seen before. If you put your clothes in fabric recycling bins or, you know, you think that you're doing the right thing, but Really, they end up in places like this. The Atacama Desert is the hottest place on earth and it is full of tons and tons of your old Christmas jumpers, your old summer clothes, things that you don't want anymore, baby clothes. That's where they end up. 
And you said they're sent out to Chile. When they're sent, in terms of the, the companies and, and whatever on this side that send them, mm-hmm. uh, do they know more or less that that's exactly where they're going to end up? Or, or do they pretend at the very least to think, oh, we're sending them out to South Africa and they're going to be sold in various countries there? The majority of clothes are sent to um, Latin America. They come from Europe, Canada, the US. They come from a, a very big proportion of the world. And yeah, they would pretty much know where they're going and what would happen to them. There's a problem, a huge problem with um, in fast fashion with returns. So as a marketing tool, a number of years ago, online stores, when they really wanted you to shop online, offered free returns. And that has been one of the biggest problems in the fashion industry, both for the companies and for the environment. Um, It's untenable for the companies to keep offering free returns because they're losing millions and millions of euro and dollars every year on it. It also means for a lot of the of the fast fashion companies, when something is returned, they don't even put it back out for resale. It is immediately binned. So if you buy four items and you buy them in two sizes, you know, because you can't try them on, the ones that you know already that you're not, you know, I'm not going to want one of them already because it won't fit, that will end up in landfill. How that got so big was the, the whole concept of the free returns, marketing ploy. Yes. Free returns and the pandemic has really made that issue worse, much bigger and much worse. Like the amount of returns, there are third party agencies that look after reverse logistics. They have seen a 63% increase in returns over the course of the pandemic because online shopping has gone up so much. So for all of those months that physical shops were closed and that you couldn't go in, people were buying everything online. A massive proportion of online sales go back up to 30% of online sales are returned. If you're in store, a physical bricks and mortar store has a return rate in the single digits. Online stores are up to 30%. That's unreal. I never realised that. And I suppose it's probably an aside, but those that are returned in the bricks and mortar stores, are they reused or are they immediately thrown out as well? No, some of them are reused. Yeah. If you go into a store and you see that they will put a security tag back on it and they do go into, um, a, you know, a room at the back and they're checked because, you know, it's quick to see and you, you know how long it was been there. Because it takes you have up to 30 days to return something um, online. By the time it goes back, it may not be full price on the website anymore. It may not be available on the website anymore. Everything may have moved on. They may have gone into autumn when it what you bought it at the end of summer and it just... They just don't, de- they don't even take, and during the pandemic, they don't even take the risk of putting it back out in case there's something contaminated on it and it just immediately gets binned. So the concept of free returns needs to change for the retailer, but also the way that we think about returning clothes really needs to change as well. Because, I mean, I didn't realise that they were binned immediately until I started looking into this. And I was so horrified, like, and mortified as well, that I was contributing to something like that. And is there any sign of anybody trying to market in another way that uh, not having free returns is far more environmentally friendly? Uh, yeah, there are there are companies that do great work in that regard, but people are really, you know, sucked into the freeness of things. You know that. So you know you might have a very big online retailer, and it costs. Um, 12 euro for next day delivery but if you pay 10 euro immediately for next day delivery you'll have next day delivery for a year which will encourage you to buy more to have more delivered 
constantly and then they'll offer free returns as well and people are very used to it and it's a real it's a very big decision for people to move from a retailer that offers free delivery free next day delivery and free returns to somebody that doesn't you know it's a it's a bigger purchase mentally nearly you know because you're deciding to buy this and you won't you'll have to pay to give it back yeah, I suppose. And as a result, no one's going to make the leap. I suppose it's a bit like if you go back a few years in the newspaper business, when they're initially all free, nobody wanted to do a subscription model because people are expecting it free. There's there's parallels yeah. there. Yeah. But the other thing then that strikes me, Jennifer, is there no law against this? I mean, I just I mean, at a U level, at international trade level, anything like that, if there's no law against the fact that you can just take all of these and dump them somewhere else. I suppose the retailers would say that they're sending them to a different market to be sold. What happens when they send them into Chile is, you know, Chile's business. It's not necessarily. But that, that's sorry. Yeah, that's the point is making kind of. Do they claim that when they sell them to Chile, they're sending them to be resold? They probably don't believe it, but do they claim it? If you question them directly and ask them why they're going to Chile, they would say that they're going to Chile to be resold. Right. But they wouldn't have, you know, they wouldn't be very forthcoming and admitting that they're going to Chile at all. Yes, yeah. yeah it's, it's so I, again, it's just another one of those things. We all do these things online. We all get free stuff, and nobody thinks too much about what the cost of it is. The other thing is in the the process. A lot is fast fashion itself. Uh, a lot of it's synthetic, treated with chemicals and that sort of thing. Some of these chemicals. Just see a piece you wrote in, in the examiner. Some of these chemicals can take up to 200 years to biodegrade. Yeah, particularly the Christmas jumpers are made with a lot of plastic fibres and plastic fabrics. Um, one of the biggest uh, problems is acrylic and acrylic is made with a huge amount of plastic fibres and that in the desert that is, you know, soaking down through the ecosystem into the water supply. It's um, creating um, fires when it reacts with the heat over there. Um, and then it doesn't biodegrade as well. So it's horrific. Acrylic is a huge offender. And if you think about your own wardrobe, you're going to have a lot of acrylic in your wardrobe. It's a cheap fabric to work with. It's um, long lasting, obviously, because it's never going to biodegrade. <laughs> so it's hard wearing. Um, but it's a huge environmental problem when they uh, end up in somewhere like the Atacama Desert. Yeah, I, I know. It. I'm sure some of it, my wardrobe would be very slow fashion, though, because it's probably there a very long time. <laughs> but I, I'm making light of it. You're not the problem. But I mean, you know, there is a very serious side to it, there's no doubt about it. I mean, and again, it's interesting that it's the Christmas jumpers and the nature of them that contribute disproportionately to the whole thing. Another problem with Christmas jumpers is that, you know, they may be worn, I think that they're worn between one and three times and a new jumper is purchased every year. And things like, um, which are brilliant initiatives for charities, you know, Christmas jumper day, you know, and, you know, the, the great crack that you have out of them. But then essentially, if you buy a new one every year for that event, you know, you're kind of negating the good that you're doing with the charity thing that you're doing, you know. So there's a big move now to either have Christmas jumper swap parties where, you know, you, you pile them into the middle and friends pick a, a different one that's new to you or to donate them to charity shops. And that's where you should buy your Christmas jumper from. Essentially, enough Christmas jumpers have already been made in the world for everyone to have a new to you one, you know, every year without actually going into a high street store and spending a tenner. I mean, they're so cheaply manufactured as well that you have to wonder about the people that have to make them 
you know, in order for you to have that fun day, it would be much better to wear your jumper a couple of times in the year and bring it into Oxfam or somewhere like that and then have somebody else use it next year. Yeah, and that's the other thing, of course, that some form of circular economy in that respect, but is there an opening there for recycling Christmas jumpers? I mean, and the other thing, we're back again to buying habits. Will people buy them if they don't come out of the package new or so they think, you know? That's the other issue there, isn't it? Yeah. There's a lot of work being done on Christmas jumpers in particular, but I mean, there is work being done on circular fashion in general and there are moves being made. Now, there is a huge amount of greenwashing in the fashion industry, which is a massive problem as well. Some enormous, enormous fashion brands that will have a sustainable line, um, but it might be 100 pieces out of 100,000 pieces, you know, and because they have this sustainability factor and they market it very heavily, people associate them with doing something good, whereas it's really a marketing campaign and it's not necessarily that good. Um, So you have to dig down deep and really look at what companies are doing as a whole rather than just, you know, the green bit that they're promoting heavily. And isn't that again another problem, Jennifer, to the point that, uh, you know, people who are very environmentally aware and proportionately probably not a large number of people may be willing to do that bit of extra research Whereas, unfortunately, most of us, busy lives, habits, what have you, Mm -hmm. the chances of people following through on it, you know, are pretty low. Yeah, I mean, there are um, there are websites like um, goodonyou.eco where you can just really easily type in your favorite fashion company and it will come up. It it says things like um, we avoid not really good enough, good excellent you know so you can see what they're doing and like some of the ones that you think will be horrific are you know they might be not good enough but at least they're not we avoid so you feel a little bit better about yourself um and there are moves being made by some companies um super dry is a huge fashion business and they just launched a massive new um flagship store on oxford street in london and one of the floors of that is a vintage nike shop so it's all vintage Nike t-shirts, trainers, um, tracksuit bottoms, like a huge, huge vintage Nike shop, um, which is an amazing thing for a brand like Superdry to do. They're on the not good enough um, scale when you look them up, but they're doing something that's pretty impressive in a flagship store. And they're promoting the idea of a circular fashion economy. So you have to kind of really balance out, you know, where they are as a brand with the really good things that they're also doing and decide, you know, what way you want to, you want to go. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer.com forward slash subscribe. And no single brand has made a big breakthrough in terms of that whole circular fashion and, and the recycling being its main thrust. No, no, there's no big, you know, you would, again, in theory, you would have thought there was a market there for that kind of thing at the moment. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. No, no, none of the very big brands. No, they haven't. But I mean, if you think about how 
quickly they move. And if you think about very big brands during the pandemic, there were some enormous brands that didn't even bother, you know, to go online because that's not worth it to them the way that their model works. Their model is so low cost, so, you know, um, cheap to produce and, and, and fast to get into stores and into your hands. It wasn't worth their while to go online. And that is a something that you really have to think about with a brand. Like if it's not worth their while to go online, how cheap is their business model? Jeez, yeah, it is it is frightening in some ways, all right, when you think about it and, and the cost that's being paid, I suppose, in the first instance, the human cost in terms of where they're made. But as you said, as I have to say, I was very ignorant of all altogether okay. is the environmental cost of the whole thing. Turning to, to this country, we dump over 200,000 tonnes of clothing every year. Incredible, isn't it? And, and first of all, first of all, Jennifer, where do they go when you say they're dumped? Is it again, good luck lads off across the seas and we'll pretend you're not being dumped over there? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is, um, it, it's a combination of um, the fashion that is warehoused by brands here and what happens to that at the end of season when it's unsold. Um, and things that we do um, as consumers, like use those big fabric bins beside the bottle banks, um, you know, all of those things means that it ends up with them being dumped in somewhere like Chile. Yeah. And there's no issue around the fact that, again, back, you know, when you see so much being done, COP26, etc., in the whole thing, and you see limits being put on mm-hmm. carbon emissions or something, there is nothing in terms of yeah. that 225,000 tonnes that it being necessary to find a way to recycle it or if if it has to be to, to, to put in landfill or whatever, that it's not necessary for the country of origin of the clothes effectively here. Well, origin as in when they were first used to um, to take responsibility for it. No, there's been very little done at all um, when you look at fashion like that. And actually, fashion uses more energy than um aviation and shipping combined so you might take a transatlantic flight feel really bad about it and um log on to one of those websites where you can you know pay to offset the cost of your um flight you know plant a couple of trees or whatever but nobody ever really thinks about the fashion that has you know been flown in from china for you to wear a couple of times and then get dumped and then you know cause a problem it's between fashion causes between 8 and 10% of all emissions globally. Like it's an enormous, enormous problem. And it's one that isn't spoken about in the same way that, um, you know, fuel is spoken about or aviation is spoken about or, you know, anything like that. Um, it's a, I, I don't know. Sometimes I think that maybe people think that fashion is frivolous and unimportant. And so it doesn't end up being one of the, you know, big topics of conversation. But when you drill down into it, it should be maybe at the top of a couple of the lists because it's a horrific problem um, that we all contribute to. Maybe not you, because you, you're not going into ah, well, I, just, I, don't, <laughs> I have a few garments that are very old. I mean, I don't go around in 10-year-old jumpers. <laughs> but you know, it is, anyway. everybody wears clothes. Everybody wears clothes every day. And so it is yeah. something, something that we all contribute to in you know, some of us in a bigger way than others, of course, but we all contribute to um, the problem of dumped clothes and um, and fast fashion. Yeah, I have to say, I am taken aback, and I was ignorant of it till I read your piece, all right. I mean, I, th- I think it is, particularly when you put it in that context, aviation, we hear so much about aviation. Mm-hmm. 
And yet you're saying emission-wise, this is far worse. Yeah, yeah, much worse. And obviously, you know, it gets shipped as well. It's coming, a lot of the stuff is coming from India and from China. So the um, the carbon footprint of where it's coming from to get to you in Cork or, you know, Limerick or wherever you're buying it, like you don't always recognise how far that item of clothes has come for you to wear it. And it's, you know, um, there's a website called Shine, which has overtaken Zara in the US. Um, as um, one of the biggest online retailers, everything from there is coming to you from China. And say last week on that website, in the new in section, there was 21,139 things that were new in. The volume of it is kind of staggering. Tell me this, what if it was, uh, you know, <laughs> in terms of particularly in terms of climate action, that what if the international law came in, for example, that said, that 225,000 tonnes, uh, that close began its retail life, you want to put it that way, in your country, you deal with it. Where would that leave things? And um, With much more expensive clothes, I would imagine, which people would be, I don't know. You know, it, there is a lot of a lot of fashion brands that are doing great things. There's a lot of Irish fashion brands that I wrote about in the piece that are doing amazing things where they've changed their model to made to order, which is a, a brilliant model. But of course, those things cost more. And it's important as well not to criticise people too heavily that may need to go into a very low cost retailer to buy their kids clothes. It, you know, it is a it is a real matter of um privilege for some people to be able to say well I only buy things that are made to order you know I wouldn't dream it's awful what happens but you know people need cheap clothing as well so there has to be a balance there and you know where more people buy the more expensive things so that the people that need the cheaper things you know aren't you know made to feel horrific for killing the planet. Yeah, exactly. So that's just one example of a number of issues in that area, particularly when mm-hmm. you're dealing about sustainability, does that yeah. climate justice effectively in its own way. Um, so what, in an everyday sense, Jennifer, can we do about it as individuals? What could individuals do in that sense? We can be much more careful about um, the return side of things, I think. I'm not sure that people are are aware at all of how quickly things are binned when you return them. Um, and people do get into a habit of buying things in a couple of sizes if they're not sure. Um, now, one of the things that a couple of retailers have done is introduce a fit guide on their website. So you put in your height, you know, are you an average shape? Do you, you know, are you broader on top or broader on bottom? And um, you, you enter a whole and a whole load of information. You say what size you are in other brands and they recommend a fit for you. And I find that to be quite accurate. And they're doing that, you know, no no retailer is doing something for your good. You know, they're doing it for their own good to make sure that they don't get as many returns. They don't want as many returns as they're getting. And um, so if you use the fit guides on websites, if you try not to buy things in a couple of sizes, if you try not to use your own bedroom as a changing room, so you order 10 things and return eight things, because those eight things are probably going to end up in landfill. They're not going to go back out for sale. Um, so it's being more careful about what you buy. It's being more aware of the tools that the websites are offering. It's trying not to get really sucked into that free return side of things. Um, and it's maybe trying to find, um, you know, if you buy 10 things in a season, if you could buy two or three of them, 
that maybe cost a little bit more, but you're going to wear a bit more that are made more locally, that are made better, that aren't made from the cheap fabrics. You know, those things do all add up and make a bit of a difference. Two things about that. One, would that take a considerable shift in um, the way we buy and the way we think about clothes? And as well then, um, is it going to cost people more to be more discerning in that respect? Yeah, it, yeah, it will. It, to be more discerning will cost more and you have to be prepared to wear things more often. And that is one of the problems at the moment. Some of the blame has been laid on the influencer culture where they do try-ons all the time. Um, they, you know, get photographed in a different outfit, you know, maybe even a couple of times a day. At this time of year, they're opening so many free packages and showing, you know, things that they're being sent by brands. It, you know, if they were the people to take it by the horns and say, you know what? Yeah, this is the outfit I was photographed in last week and the week before and the week before that, but it cost me a hundred euro and I really love it instead of this, you know, this outfit cost me 30 quid and I'm been in it because tomorrow I'm going to wear this outfit that was 40 quid and this outfit that was 30, quid, you know, so it all adds up to the same amount. If though, you know, if the influencers maybe grabbed onto the idea of um, circular fashion, sustainable fashion, local fashion, um, that might really help people's mindset because it's not that long ago, maybe what, like 40 years ago that we bought one thing, one good thing and wore it to death, you know. I still do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you'd be, her, somebody that used to, that was really into clothes, you know, in the early 80s would be really horrified at the way things are made now and the way things are been so fast. And it's a very short amount of time for an industry to have changed utterly. So if we could just try and maybe get back a little bit of kind of, um, I don't know, being sensible about clothes and what we buy and what we wear and the value. We have the value of nothing when it comes to fast fashion. So if we can value people's skills and what they make and what they produce, you know, pay for something and wear it. But it would strike me, Jennifer, that absolutely agree with you completely there. But awareness, I think, is the biggest thing of all. I mean, why you wouldn't have a major awareness campaign on a basic level funded by uh, some sort of collective from the fashion industry about the whole area of returns in particular. And as you say, adapting to that idea that you wear things more than once or twice. Yeah, I mean, it would be, uh, I think that the free returns are such a problem for like the big retailers um, that they do want it to change, but they also probably don't want you to know what happens. So they're really stuck between a rock and a hard place where they don't want to admit the horrors that goes on behind the scene, but they do really need things to change because they're hemorrhaging money. So they are, they are pretty stuck, like it's really bad. It is, but short of that, I would have thought there'd have been some responsibility on national governments to, um, I think, awareness, mm. just to, to public information campaigns, you know, to, because it is an area, I think, that it isn't appreciated, the, the damage that's being done. Like, if you, um, if you think, even very basically, there was a UN report that said it takes 7,500 litres of water to make a pair of jeans. So if you think about that... Before you buy a new pair of jeans, I, that would really soften my cough. I, I don't think that I would want to buy another pair of jeans to have in my wardrobe when I know how much water. 
a pair that I'm going to wear until the ass falls out of them, basically, because I'm not going to contribute to that amount of waste water to have another pair of jeans. If things like that were at the, for, you know, before you bought something, if you knew the environmental cost that went into the production of it, I think people would kind of pause before they did it. You would certainly have to hope so. And back again, I think, you know, we'd have to uh, just, I suppose us in the media need to do something about it as well, but just to spread the word. But uh, definitely you would imagine it's something that people should be made more aware of. And, and strangely enough, it's also one of those areas of life where the kind of adopting that you would have to do would not be as severe as it might in the other aspects in terms of having respect for the climate. Yeah, it wouldn't. But I mean, obviously, the fashion industry is this huge billion dollar, billion euro, you know, fast moving industry. And they don't want you to stop buying, but they do need you to stop sending it back. <laughs> so Very good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they just want you to buy and keep it. Yeah, that's it. Well, <laughs> Is it going to happen? I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. It's certainly something that uh, we should all be certainly more aware of in this day and age. Uh, Jennifer Stevens, thank you very much for joining us today and, and enlightening me at the very least, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners. It's a pleasure, Mick. Thank you. That's it for today, folks. I'd also like to thank, as always, our engineer, JJ Vernon. You can get us on the usual platforms. And don't forget to subscribe to the Irish Examiner for the kind of investigative journalism that Jennifer and many other fine journalists do in order to inform us of what exactly is going on in the world. Take care and have a happy Christmas and watch out for those jumpers. Go on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.